um, in your honesty, I want you just uh, before the Lord, this is between you and Jesus. I want you just to have a conversation just real quick. I want you to tell him exactly how you're feeling in the moment. Not how you're supposed to feel because you're doing your religious thing on Sunday morning at church, but that real honest, like when you sing these songs just um, about freedom reigning in our lives and talking about his presence come, coming and, and moving. Just where do you feel in the context of the, the freedom scale this morning? If I were to ask you, hey, on a scale of 1 to 10, where do you feel in freedom? Just have that conversation with the Lord about what you're feeling, what's going on in your heart. I just want to see your face. I want freedom to reign in my heart and my life. Whether it's an area of healing, if you're saying, I'm just, I've got this sickness, I have this illness, this thing going on, this issue in life, you want healing. Let's say, Jesus, I want freedom for a healing. Just asking for that this morning. Say, Jesus, I'm asking for freedom, for healing this morning. For restoration, just whether it's emotional in, in nature, whether it's physical in nature, whether it's spiritual in nature. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. If you know Jesus and the Spirit of the Lord, He resides in you. And then inside of you, there's already a declaration from Jesus of freedom in your life. And the, the, the deception of the enemy that we talked about last week, that methodeia in the Greek, just that deception, the scheming of the enemy, is to steal, kill, and destroy, to keep you from seeing truth about who, you, who Jesus is in your life. So this morning, I just say, Jesus, I don't feel freedom, but you've already declared it over me. Then, Jesus, make, make true in my life what you've already declared over me. Make true in my life what you've already declared, which is freedom. And the beautiful picture is that, that those who then have freedom, they get to declare freedom for other people. We have been, we are a people, we said last week, who have, Receive from Jesus for the point of giving it away. We have freedom so that we can declare freedom for others. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask this morning that you would come and do this work of, of freedom, this work of restoration, this work of healing. Because, God, we know that there are so many people that you've called us to every day to, to declare freedom over and to speak it into their lives, Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, would you come and change our perspective this morning? I pray that you'd open up our eyes to see you, Jesus. To see you as living and as active and as moving today. That you actually are Lord over all of creation. That you are an infinite God and you are re that everything that you're wrestling with is finite. Everything that you're wrestling with is, a, is, a is something that's created. And so, Father, we come this morning saying and declaring that we worship the Creator God this morning. Who is high and above and exalted above all of creation. And we come this morning and say yes to you, Jesus. And to all that you want to do, Jesus. So freedom reigns, Jesus. Freedom reigns in this place, Jesus.
this, Lord. God, may it may your kingdom come on earth here in freedom as it is in heaven. Father, we love you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Steve Hambrick, and I'm the pastor here at Vintage, and I'm glad that you were here. Uh, so I won't forget, if you could take our baskets and pass them back down for our tithes and our offerings this morning. This is a part of our worship uh, before the Lord. Uh, all that we have is something that we've received from Him, and as we give, it's simply us returning back to Him what already belongs to Him. And so, so fill, you can pass that down. If you feel like a connect card, just be the time to, to put that into the basket, and uh, I'll shoot you an email this week. And to let you know how glad I was that you were here. And uh, that'd be great. All right. Well, if you were here last week, you know we began this conversation uh, of talking about uh, the call of God on our lives. This call of God that we have ultimately exhibited in, in Matthew 28, which is the Great Commission, right? You've all heard the Great Commission. He says, hey, you, right? He says, therefore, because I have all authority in heaven and on earth that's been given to me, Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, right? So there's this, this, this universal call, this universal call for every single person who says, yes, I'm in relationship with Jesus, I'm a follower of Christ, you would call yourself and say, if, you had to, you know, if they came and asked you, are you a Christian family or not, that you would say, yes, I'm a Christian family, right? If that is you, then you would, you would have this call on your life of Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. And he said, this was not a call to evangelism, Right? This is not a call to evangelism. Evangelism, we said, is a, it's, a, it's a momentary declaration of truth about the gospel of Jesus. But this call to, decide, to make disciples, it is an everyday, lifelong thing that you're doing where evangelism is a, maybe a part, or not maybe is a part of it. But discipleship is an everyday call to, to live your life as a servant to serve those that you are around every day who are in need, who are in need of freedom. Like we talked about this morning, saying about this morning, right? And so we said that our call, according to, to Luke, we looked at the story of Luke, I think it was, I think chapter 27 maybe, or 22, I don't remember, somewhere in, somewhere in the 20s, where Jesus comes and, oh, there it is, Luke 22, look at Eddie right there, Luke, Luke 22, 24 to 27, Jesus says, listen, I've just modeled for you what it means to be a servant, Right? I'm not at the table being served, the, the, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, the Passover feast. I'm actually, I'm actually serving you. So I'm modeling for you a life of servanthood. So I'm calling you to serve. And it's expressed in this Matthew 28 of you now living life every day, making disciples, finding those that you were around, investing into them, serving them, right? And causing them to become like Christ. That's what it means to be a disciple, to become like the person who is investing. So if I'm investing into you, Gracie, then you're going to become like me, right? I'm discipling you, you're going to become like me. Do you want to do that? She's like, no, I'm going to sleep this morning, right? So this idea, right, I, I want to, you're going to become like me. And Paul later, Paul said, listen, as I imitate Christ, I want you to imitate me. So the idea is that we are so close to Jesus and so like Jesus that when I invest into somebody else, they're becoming like Jesus, okay? So that's the, that's the picture. Last week we said, this is the call of God in our life, to serve, to serve others, and in serving them, that we can then disciple them, invest into their lives, so they can become like Jesus. And I left you with homework, 
All right? Gave you three things. I was going to mention the homework. I'm assuming, how many of you did your homework this week? All right, fantastic. All the rest of you are sinners. All right, um, number one, that was a big joke. I'm just kidding. Um, maybe you are. I don't know. It's when you and Jesus are, but I can't call you that. So anyway, number one says that number one part of your homework is to ask God to reveal the schemes of the enemy in your life, right? The places where you have embraced individualism at a cost. We said last week that the, the great scheme of the enemy, the deception, is that he takes us and says, hey, you have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right? That's what our forefathers said. We said, but we take that on a highly individualistic level and say, hey, we want to do that with our own purposes in mind. Right? We want our own life, our own freedoms, and our own pursuit of happiness, our pursuit of happiness. And so we said what, would a, what God, the enemy does is says, hey, it's all about you. So where are the, what are the schemes of the enemy? How is he moving in your life and the idea of embracing individualism, your own life, liberty, pursuit of happiness at the cost of other people? Second thing was this. Ask God to awaken uh, in you his heart for serving others. So he said it's not natural. It's not natural for you to serve others, to give your life away to help others, right? By nature, you're all about serving your own needs. You're only aware of your wants and your desires. So we need God to awaken us to the needs of others so that we can serve in those places. The third thing we said, you need to ask yourself who you're discipling. Who are you investing your life into that they may become more like Jesus, right? And so each of us have this call to serve and invest our lives into other people. And so if you did your homework, my guess is that you realized in your own heart that you have some areas of growth that you need to engage and move into. That, that the cost, the cost of service is pretty high, at least in our own mind's eye, because it means it's not what I want in my time and my, my wants and desires so it's about helping others, and that costs us something. I was reading some of Martin Luther. Most, hopefully all of you in this room know who Martin Luther is. Not Martin Luther King. Martin Luther, the great reformer from the 1500s. He, he said this quote. I felt like it went with this message from last week. He says, As then always happens with Christian liberty or Christian freedom, as then always happens with Christian liberty, few use it for anything else than their own pleasure or their own profit and not for God's honor and the good of their neighbor. We must also take care that liberty or freedoms be ser- that liberty be servant to love and to our neighbor. Right? This whole idea, this idea coming along, saying, "Listen, we've been given this freedom. We've been given this freedom, this right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness." And we said last week that most of us use it for our own personal gain. And Martin Luther is saying it's true. We always use it for our own gain, our own our own stuff. But we have to recognize it. We have to honor God and honor others with the freedoms and the liberties that have been given to us. This is the idea of what it means to 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 I would say to be a disciple, to be a follower. Of Jesus. So what I want to do this morning is this. I want to I want to give us what I call the discipleship litmus test. OK, 
Okay? You all know what the litmus test is. You use it in science. It was to, what was it, to find the pH balance of acidity and something. So you'd take your little card, you would stick it in there, right? And that little card is a litmus test. If it came back out, if there was acid, boom, it changed colors. If not, it would stay the same color, right? And so you'd put it in. It was like, there was this deciding factor. So a litmus test in life is that you, you have an event or a situation that it's going to be either or. It's a litmus test, an either or decision, right? If you step into your, your job and your boss says, I'm going to give you a litmus test. And you go, and you recognize that he says this, if you succeed, then you'll get more work. If you don't, then I won't, right? It's a litmus test, an either or deciding factor. So what we get here is a discipleship litmus test, I believe, given by Jesus himself, right? And so either this morning you're going to pass or you're going to fail. Basically, I'm telling you you're going to be a winner or a loser. Isn't that great? This morning, I get to, you get to be a loser this morning, right? So, we have this whole thing going down because the reality is this. Only those who follow Jesus and live the life of Jesus can be his disciples. Only those who, who have followed in his footsteps can, can, can be Jesus for other people. It makes sense. You can't, you can't lead someone somewhere that you've never been. Right? You can't lead someone somewhere that you've never been. So this morning, we get a discipleship litmus test taken from Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. Have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you don't, you can look up here on the screen. This is a discipleship litmus test, and it says this. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Okay? Didn't say, didn't say disciples were following. It was just a large crowd. Thousands of people were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, does not hate his mother, does not hate his wife, does not hate his children, does not hate his brothers and sisters, and yes, even his or her own life, he or she cannot be my disciple and anyone who does not carry his or her own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, when you read that, there should be this great tension arise inside of you because Jesus has got some issues going on. Because what he tells them right here, very clearly, it says, listen, I'm telling you, you have to hate every single person that's close to you. And you should go, what? Because he's all, we've already heard him say the greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, soul, and your mind. And the second command is very similar to it, that I'm calling you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And how many of you know that the neighbors that you have every day are your wife, your mother and your father, your children, and even yourself, right? And everybody else around you. So there's this whole tension going on. Jesus has just said, hate everybody, right? Hate everybody, even yourself. It is great commandments to love your neighbor as you love yourself. A full, authentic love. So, so a couple of weeks ago, and probably it happened yesterday, I just don't remember, but a couple of weeks ago, I remember... We were together as a family. That would be Randall, Sarah, my youngest, Anna Catherine, my oldest. And I remember we're, we're driving down, and it's about noon or 1230, right? 
And we're driving in the car, in the, in the really cool minivan, right? Driving along, right? Feeling really cool, going, hey, what's going on over there, right? Got our windows tinted. It's awesome, right? We're driving the cool family minivan, right? Doing our thing. And all of a sudden, from the back, I hear, Daddy! I am starving. I am so hungry. Now, as you know, I've talked before. I've spent I've spent a lot of time developing third world countries, right? I've I've seen women and men and children literally in the place of starvation. I've seen bloated bellies as they're walking around the starvation. Every time I see them, I'm I'm undone, right? I'm overwhelmed with compassion. So as my young daughter sits in the back of this van, Screaming at the top of her lungs, she's starving. I have zero compassion. Right? I have zero compassion for her starvation, right? Because I remember three hours earlier giving her a big breakfast. I remember the night before Randall making this really big dinner. I remember right before dinner she had she had a, a very nice snack, right? And then right before that she'd had lunch at about noon. And she'd have breakfast that morning. And the same goes all the way back. There's three meals with lots of snacks in between. And so when I looked at her and she says, I'm starving, right? With that high-pitched, annoying voice. You know your kids' voices are annoying, right? She has this whole thing going on. I have zero compassion because I know, just as she knows, that she's not actually starving. She's using the word intentionally, right? Because she wants to make a point. She wants to make a point that she is really hungry, but we all know in the car that she's not actually starving. See, she exaggerated her language to make a point about her hunger. So when Jesus comes into the moment and he says, I'm calling you to hate your father and hate your mother. He is intentionally using the word hate. Some theologians would have you, would have you believe it means love less. It doesn't mean love less. It literally means hate. Jesus is literally using this word intentionally to exaggerate the point in the situation, to make a point for the thousands of listeners who are listening to offend them on purpose, to have this like this nails on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a chalkboard to go, right? Because he's trying to exaggerate the point to make a very intentional point about the level of discipleship, the level of what it means to follow Jesus and to be his disciple. He is creating an exaggerated comparison so that every single person, the thousands of people that are following, will know the cost of discipleship. The cost of being a follower of Jesus. He is intentionally using exaggerated language to make a very clear point with language, with a, with, a, with a language tool like this point of exaggeration to make a point so that everyone following them would go, oh my gosh, to be a follower of Jesus is actually very intense and it costs me something. The true litmus test of his disciples is that nothing, not even the ones they love 
or the ones who love them most should ever stand in their way of obedience to Jesus. No one and nothing. St. Jerome, have you ever heard of St. Jerome? St. Jerome was a contemporary of, of Constantine back in like 350 to 430 A.D. And Jerome said it this way, says, If Christ should call me to go this way, and my mother hung about my neck to draw me another way, and my father were in my way, bowing at my knees with tears, entreating me not to go, and my children were plucking at my skirt, should seek to pull me the other way, I must unclasp my mother, I must push to the very ground my father, and put aside my children, for I must follow Christ. Do you see the cost of discipleship? He is looking at them and saying, listen, just to kind of put it in language that, that, that we understand. Jesus is coming into the moment, he's saying, listen, you have to recognize that to follow me, there is a cost. It's not about your desires, not about your dreams, not about everybody else. And I'm not just one of the spokes on the wheel of your life, right? You are not the center hub. With, I'm a spoke off of it, right? I, instead, I am the hub of your wheel in yourself and your dreams and your desires and every other person in your life, your, your spouse, your children, your mother and your father are just a spoke and I am the defining factor of everything else going on in your life. I am the umbrella in which everything else in your life falls under, whether you like it or not. And so the thousands of people are sitting out there going, and they said this, like many of you are probably saying the same thing, that's really hard, or that's just too hard, or Jesus couldn't have actually meant that. And he did. That's when he says, if you're going to follow me, I have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And it says thousands left. He said, this is too hard. Listen, there is a cost to discipleship. And the cost is a death to self. It's a death to all these other dreams and desires and all of these other things going in in our hearts, going on in our lives. And I want you to know, for those of you who say, well, I'm not a Christian. That seems really hard. I would say to you, Jesus understood that. Listen, people who were following every day, following him that day, thousands of them left. And when he died, he only had hundreds who were there with him. Because the word was difficult. But he's saying, if you're going to follow me, then I have to become the priority. And it's no longer about you, but it's about me. And about me leading you and guiding you and his promises. And I will lead you to life. I will lead you to good places, but it will be difficult along the way. We understand this language. Most of you in this room either, either know a soldier or know someone who knows someone distant who is a soldier. Or you've watched enough movies to know what a soldier being a soldier is like. A soldier makes a decision and says, listen, I'm going to serve my country, right? I'm going to have this high calling of serving my country. And if you, you've watched before, maybe you've seen it face to face, when a soldier gets the phone call and they said, hey, your group is pulling out on whatever day it may be at 12 o'clock. And at 11.59, where do you find? You find that soldier 
with their spouse wrapped around their necks, saying, I'm weeping, I don't want you to go. What's happening? Their child is latched onto their legs, saying, Daddy, Daddy, Mommy, Mommy, please don't go, please don't go. And what does the soldier do? He unclasps his spouse's hands and pushes them to the side. He takes his child, picks it up, and puts it over here in his spouse's arm, says, I have to go. I have a calling to serve my country. See, the higher calling of serving country has came before this earthly calling, this, this priority earthly calling of being with their family. And the same is true as we follow Jesus. He's saying, you have now a heavenly, godly calling, and it actually is priority and stands over your calling for every other relationship that you're in, and primarily even your relationship that you have with yourself. See, that's the other call. It says, you must hate, yes, even your own life. See, that's the highest calling. That's the highest difficulty as it relates to being a disciple of Jesus. Listen, people every day turn their back on their spouse. Every day people turn their, their back on their children. But no one in life ever turns their back on their own desires and their own dreams and their own wants. Everybody, always, every day, primarily lives for themselves, right? Lives for their own dreams, their own desires, their own wants, and their own longings. They're all day long about serving their own right to life, liberty, and their own pursuit of personal happiness. And Jesus comes and says, yes, you must even hate your own life. Yes, even this exaggerated comparison it must be a distant second to your heavenly primary calling of following Jesus and being obedient to Him every day of your life. Every day of your life. Therefore, this is another quote, when there is conflict between the highest earthly love and the call of Christ in our own hearts, then there is only one thing to be done. That is to trample across our own hearts and go after him without any compromise and any questions. This is the litmus test of discipleship. This is the litmus test, the deciding factor of my relationship and my walk with Jesus. Am I truly a disciple of his? Or am I just pretending to be? Am I making Jesus a spoke on my wheel? Or is he the hub that everything else comes off of? Is he the umbrella which everything else in life falls under? Or is he just one of the umbrellas falling under self? Listen, I reckon, listen you're not going to hear this message in most churches because it doesn't get people into the seats, right? Money doesn't come flowing into churches on Sunday morning if I give them a, when churches give people a litmus test whether they're a disciple of Christ or not, right? I recognize this. I'm giving you the litmus test today for your own salvation and for your own understanding of you. Are you living the life that God has called you to live? Because if you can't lead someone else to a place that you've never been, there is a cost 
to being a follower of Jesus. Listen, listen. if you're a non-Christian this morning and you're sitting here and you've gone to church and you've listened to Joel Osteen tell you how God wants you to be happy every day of your life, he is lying. It's not the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is not that you're happy every day of your life. The gospel of Jesus is that you have to suffer and sacrifice every day to be obedient to the call of living every day for him. And if it leads you to death, well, then it leads you to death. This is the cost of discipleship. So it goes on. He says, what does that look like? Well, it means... You've got to take up your cross daily and follow him. Listen, our cross is similar to the cross of Christ, right? It is this part of our lives where we knowingly, purposely, and sacrificially lay down our rights, our lives. We sacrifice ourselves every day. We pick up this instrument of death to die to our own dreams and our own desires every day so that we can be obedient to Jesus every day of our life. It is this daily recognition that I am going the way of Jesus and not my own way. And all day long, we, we, we talk about this cross. So what does a cross look like? Let me tell you what it does not look like. Hear me on this. Number one, some think it is suffering. It is, like, it is any suffering they experience in life, right? So they think, oh, it's just my... So they say things like, it's just my cross to bear, and they have some sort of physical disability, Right? Well, that's just my cross to bear. They have a loss of material things. They say, well, that's just my cross to bear. No, it's not. Right? That's not your cross to bear. Some people think, oh, it's my temper, or, or it's my anger, or it's my worry, or my fear. Maybe my alcoholism that I wrestle with in life. Well, that's just my cross to bear. No. That's called sin, or that's called your broken places in your life. In both of those, God says, I can bring healing, I can bring restoration into all of those areas of life. Right? I can, I can move in those areas, I can bring freedom to those places. The cross of Christ, the cross of Christ is not some sort of egocentric shortcoming or something that we struggle with in life. Our cross is birthed out of our sac- listen, our sacrifice for others. Suffering birthed out of our sympathy for someone else's struggles or needs that we are investing into and giving our life away for. Listen, our cross is every day saying, Jesus, it's about serving you and the suffering that, it, that I endure every day of dying to self. We talk about suffering, we talk about this dying to self, this, this coming and saying, Jesus, it's not about my wants or my desires. God's about giving my life away for those who are in need of discipling them so they may become more like you every day, right? I'm picking up my cross, I'm leaving, I'm leaving my place of refuge like you left your place of refuge in heaven. I'm going to go to fallen earth. I'm going to fallen people and give my life for them sacrificially every day so that they can know you. And at the end of my life, if I am 
poor, living in poverty. I am single and I am broken in life, but I've led thousands of people to Jesus or even just one by my life. And I've brought healing and refuge for those who don't have it. Then God, my life in your eyes has been a success and I will enter into heaven, which is my eternal home anyway. And you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've given everything away. You've served me to the very end of your being and now enter in and come to this great place of eternity with me. If you've never heard this message and you've never heard the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus is not that you get whatever you want when you want it if you pray and believe. The gospel of Jesus is that you come into relationship with him, you follow him every day of your life. And in knowing him, you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All of these things are a part of your life. Why? Because you're following him every day of your life. Loving God as your priority as you serve others. This is a discipleship litmus test. Have you passed it? Oh my gosh, that hurts, Steve. Why'd you say that? You probably shouldn't say that on the stage on Sunday morning, Steve. No, no, it's a discipleship litmus test. This is the message. He's saying, these are my disciples, those who hate mother, father, sister, all down the line, right? And this comparison, exaggerated language on purpose to create this disconnect, this disconnect, to say, listen, it's all about following me. Because you have a heavenly calling every day of your life. to serve and to give your life away. That's what it means to take up your cross. You know, Paul echoes this language in Galatians 2.20. Just listen to it. It says, Paul speaking, says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, physical body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He's saying, listen, I've been crucified. I have died along with Christ. Right? I've died to myself. I've died to my own desires. I've counted the cost of discipleship. And it's actually no longer me living for my own desires, my own dreams, my own desires and longings and pursuits. It's not about me climbing the corporate ladder and being the best anymore. It's about me being a servant like Christ, living for Christ. Right? And the life and I live in the flesh, this physical body, I live every day for the Son of God as I trust Him as I follow him, because I know in following him and trusting him and believing him, ultimately life will be produced in me. And the life that's then produced in me, I will give that life to others who don't have it. Why? Because look what he did for me. That's what it says. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, here's your homework. Everybody write this down. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to get a pen and a pad of paper. If you, if you consider vintage to be your home, then you need to do your homework this week. I'm not trying to be rude or mean. I'm not one of those school people up here. But you've got to do your homework because you've got to get on board with what God is doing and what God is trying to do in your life, what God is trying to do in the life of vintage. Listen, guys, we can come in here every Sunday morning and sing because it's cool and meet all our friends because it's really cool, but if we walk out of this place never, never having embraced the cost of discipleship and never passed the litmus test of discipleship, then we have no business being here on Sunday morning and calling ourselves the church.
hurts a little bit. You're taking it, digging even deeper, Steve. Well, I'm just, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. If you want, well, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. All right, number one. Here's your homework. Ask yourself, number one, do you hate everything more than Jesus? Do you hate everything more than Jesus? Now, I want you to, I wrote this down, embrace, I want you to embrace the exaggerated language, right? I, I want you to realize Jesus used it to offend. He used it to make a point, a point we must all come to grips with. Listen, I, I'll never forget um, Reese Howells. Uh, Reese Howells once said, and, and if actually, I would say this, if you've ever read any, auto, any biographies of any of the great men and women of the faith, I dare you to read some of them. Read the life of George Mueller. Read the, the life of Reese Howells, R-E-E-S-H-O-W-E-L-L-S. Excuse me. Read the life of um, Corey Ten Boom. And, and read the, the I mean, just on the line, right? Think of all these great men women of faith, the ones who make a difference, right? William Booth for Salvation Army. Think about all these people. Every single one of them have this moment. Uh, like Reese Howells, where Jesus, he was praying, he said, Jesus came and said, he was praying, he says, God, I want to go deeper. I want to go to these new places with you. And he said, God spoke into the moment and said, then are you willing to give me everything? And he began to name, he said, I want your dreams, I want your desires, I want your, all of your rights, I want everything in your life. And hear me, this Reese goes, I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not sure I can do that. And he said, God will, he said, it was Monday, he says, can I have until Friday night at 11 p.m.? I need all week. And God said, yes. And he, and, he, and, he t- and he walked through for about three pages the difficulty and the tension and the angst he felt internally of recognizing the cost of discipleship, of this idea of hating everything else in comparison to being obedient to Jesus. And he said, and he said, I, he said I wrestled to the point of tears. I was sweating, right? I, I just couldn't sleep at night because I knew the reality of what this meant, right? And so finally he said, at 10.58 on Friday, I sat before the Lord and said, Okay, God. I will give you everything. This is not a momentary thing for you. You don't just go, yeah, Jesus, be Lord of my life. Woo! Have everything. Woo! Pass the litmus test. Right? That's not what we're doing here. I'm saying to you, I want you to sit down and say, ask the question every day for the next week. Do I hate everything more than Jesus? Number two. I want you to ask yourself every day, have you picked up your cross today? Have I picked up my cross today? I want you to ask it every day. I want you to look at the areas God is calling you to sacrificially embrace every day for the purpose of loving him by serving others. That's discipleship. Discipleship is not you and Jesus. That's not discipleship. Discipleship is you and Jesus and those that you are investing into. 
right? If you're not investing into anyone else, then you're not being a disciple, right? You have to be investing into other people, leading other people to Jesus, right? Coming alongside of them and, and bringing life where there's death for them, bringing, bringing liberty and freedom where they're held in chains, and bringing joy and, and godly happiness in the areas where they are depressed and overwhelmed, right? That is your call every day. That's Matthew 28. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now you've got to go do this. And so every day, he's saying, every day, have you picked up your cross today and said, it's not about me, it's about loving God by serving others. Who are you serving? Who are you laying your life down for? And now listen to me, because you were all suburbanites, right? Because you're all suburbanites living in the suburbs, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus, listen to me, I want you to focus on the two items that we cherish most in this life. Our money... And primarily our time. These are the areas that God puts his finger on in our middle class suburban lives and says, are you letting me be Lord of your money and your time? Those are the two things. Ask that question this week. Am I picking up my cross today in all areas, primarily in the area of my money and my time? This is a little bit hard, isn't it? Right? I kind of put my finger, if it's not hard, then you haven't heard me this morning. It's intensely supposed to be hard, because we're going to continue to talk about discipleship in the next several weeks, and woo, it's a discipleship, then we have to know, are we, are we disciples? Are we really walking in that? Okay? So asking these questions this week is really simple. All I get is asking two questions, right? Do I hate everything more than Jesus? Pretty simple, right? And have, you, am I, have I picked up my cross today, specifically in the areas of my time, and of my money. Right? So, to help you, <clears throat> to help you do this this week, we have our 10 o'clock to 1, 10, 10 a.m. to 1 o'clock next week here in Dallas going to this housing complex and serving just for three hours, right? Some of you need a little bit of help, right, to come alongside and say, well, I want to do this, but I don't know what that means. Well, I'll help you out. One primary way that you can do it is by next Saturday coming, and if you can't come because you've got some other thing you have to do that's really, really important, you've already committed to, right, like a death in the family or something like that, right, then you can go ahead. If they haven't died yet, who knows, right? But all that to say, if you have something huge in your life, you know what I'm talking about, right, a wedding you have to go to, then I want, then that's fine. You can go to that. But if you have a soccer game with your kid, consider not going to the game. I'm just saying. This is where Jesus becomes most important in your life. Now, that was a little guilt-driven, I know. But I want you to pray through that. God say, hey, no, no, no. I want you to go and be missional. Listen. I want you to listen. I'm all about going to soccer games. As long as I'm listening, living missionally in that place. Right? As long as I'm living missionally, being Jesus in that place. I want you to ask the question, God, can I go? This is Lord of being, being Lord of your life. We have this thing going on. Now, if you can't come, it's no big deal. All right? Between you and Jesus, you be obedient. This week, I want you to, number two, the Fitzpatricks are leaving to go to pick up this child. We had a child in, in China. We've got this thing going on with our, with our garage sale. We said, hey, if there are things that you want to give on behalf of them so they can help raise money to, for this child, then that would be a great way for you to do that. Or if you just want to give them cash, they'll take that too, right? But we want to come alongside of our family and help those that are in need. We want to come and serve those who are in need. Okay? So I want you to give yourself to these things. All the other things we've named, we named Kids Beach Club this morning. I know Stevie Leone is going off on some 
one-year tour uh, around these different places uh, for the next year. Literally, I forget when he's leaving January, but he's raising money right now. He's like, Steve, I've got to raise a fair number of amount of money because I'm trying to figure out what God has for my life, right? Huh? Thanks, man. Yes. I'm going to help him. Come alongside of him and say, hey, here you're going overseas for 12 months. There's a way we can come alongside of you. Or those in this body. Listen, guys, all of you in a relationship, I don't want to, I'm belaboring a point here, but I want you to get to this place of saying, Jesus, what does it look like to faithfully serve and to give my life to you by serving others, by being your disciple? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you uh, for your presence with us. Father, we praise you. God, we thank you and praise you that being a disciple is hard. God, I praise you and thank you that it requires a death to myself. Because, God, it's, it's, a, it's a kingdom principle that there is no life apart from death. That's the testimony of you coming and dying on your cross that you picked up so that we might have life. And in this world, God, as we come and sacrifice our lives and die to self and give to you by giving to others, and, Lord, life wells up inside of us. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you this morning, would you come? Would you speak into us? Would you help us to embrace this cost of discipleship? And would you move in us? God, for those this morning who are not Christians, who've come this morning and think that I'm an idiot, Father, that's fine. They, they can think I'm an idiot. I just simply ask God that you would take that, this word that's true that you've spoken through me, and that, God, you would cause it to be like a seed in their heart. That God would take root. And they would know there's no other place they could find life than by giving all of themselves to you. God, it's a paradox. It doesn't make sense, but it's true. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and do this work. Gee, Holy Spirit, I want, to, I want to ask that you would do what Jesus said you would do, which is to come and convict the world of sin and of righteousness for your sake. Father, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Well, this morning, if, um, if you're new to Vintage, how we end our time is we have a time of worship if you'd like to stay and worship. If you need to go, <clears throat> you're more than free to go. As soon as I walk up the stage, you can walk out and be gone. But if you'd like to stay, we have ministry teams. They come and they stand up here. And the ministry teams, you can go ahead and come forward. These ministry teams, they come and they're willing to, they want to come alongside of you and simply pray for you about the things you're wrestling with in life. As we've started, initiated every Sunday morning, we will have communion or the Lord's Supper or the Lord's Table. We'll have Eucharist, whatever you call it in your tradition you came from. This week I was reading from Thomas Akempis. He was a Christian mystic back in the 1100s, 1200s. And he was talking about this reality of, of, of taking communion. He called it the sacrament of communion, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And he says, I take it every day because I recognize that the body of Jesus and his blood is my nourishment Every day. And I recognize every day my unbelievable need for Him. And so I want to offer that. If you want to come forward, I want you to come with a, with a sober heart and a desperate need of recognizing, Jesus, I need your body today to live and I need your blood. The reality of your sacrifice, I need it to be alive in me today so I can have nourishment, God, so that I can be your disciple every day of my life. That's you. You're more than welcome to come. I simply ask as you come and take communion, you would take it and move away so the person behind you can come and follow after you.
You guys have a great week. We love you. Don't forget to sign up for the things that we have, and we'll see you next week.